Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church. To find out more about the Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. Good morning. Are you awake, Second Service? Good morning. <laughs> okay, a few of you are awake out there. It is so good to see you. Um, what an honor it is to spend Mother's Day um, here sharing the Word of God. Um, I'm honored to be able to be here sharing with you this morning. And I think Carrie introduced us for those of you who are visiting. My name's Megan, and the good looking man that was standing up here with me, that's my husband, Carrie. We're the lead pastors here at this church. And, and we're just so excited that you chose to be here with us on this Mother's Day. You came for week two of a brand new series called hashtag basic when basic isn't bad. Now I know if you are in this room and you are over 35, you did not know that basic was bad, but apparently basic is, is a bad thing now. So we're going to talk about when basic is not bad because basic can be a very, very good thing. And we're going through the book of Colossians. So if you actually have a Bible with you in the room this morning, you can open up to the book of Colossians chapter two. We're going to dive in there in just a minute. Maybe you have the Bible on your cell phone. And if you don't have any of those, it will be on the screen behind me. We're excited to share the word with you this morning. You know, last week, Pastor Kerry and I were in Arizona. Um, Pastor Kerry was preaching at the church that we came from as associate pastors called LifeLink Church. And we got to be there with them. They just celebrated 10 years as a church. And with you, you had the incredible Pastor Jeremy Parham bringing the word to you last week. And I have already listened to the podcast. It was amazing. He did such a phenomenal job. I don't know about you, but I'm excited that I am in a church where there are so many men and women who can bring the word of God in such a powerful way. I love that. And Pastor Jeremy talked about basic. And he talked about how sometimes we complicate things, don't we? Sometimes we complicate things. And how many of you don't like complicated people? You're like, huh, if you're not raising your hand, that's what he's, you're, you might be the complicated person, right? Thank you, Joe. (laughs) He said this statement and I just loved it. He said, when we say it's complicated, it's because we don't want to take responsibility for the things we have control over. Wow. Was so, so good. So if you missed the message last week, I want to challenge you to go and listen to the podcast. You see, a sermon series is kind of like a great book. And if you miss a week, you miss a chapter. So you're going to want to go and listen to it. I promise you, you're going to have fun and you will laugh a lot. Pastor Jeremy is way funnier than I am. So I will try to be entertaining today. But we're going to jump into the book of Colossians chapter 2. And, and as we talk about the basics, I was thinking about the basics of life. And there's an old contemporary Christian song. And every time I say that phrase, that's all that goes through my head. The basics of life. I'm not going to sing for you. Moving on. As I was thinking about the basics, I was thinking about the basics that we teach our children, moms. We teach our children the basics of the ABCs, right? And the one, two, threes and how to write their name correctly. When I was a first time mom, I was determined that before Brooklyn was going to walk, she was going to write her name. How many of you first? 
first-time moms are with me. Yeah? Nobody? I'm all by myself up here? Okay. I will be all by myself. I was determined that I was just going to teach her all the basics that she could possibly know. I would make her stay inside and not play so that we could do problems in workbooks and she could learn her letters and her numbers and her basics. Now, fast forward, second child. Anybody got two children in this room or more? Hopefully you feel me. Second child, not so much on the basics. Poor Avery. I did not have her sit down to learn her letters and her numbers. And, and she was just a little bit behind when she was getting into kindergarten. Are there any moms in here who have second children that feel me today? Anybody? Okay. A few of you, a few of you. I'm not a terrible mom. I promise. So Avery is learning the basics. She's in first grade and Avery brings home these papers to me. And sometimes I am mortified with what she brings home. I have a degree in education and, um, and I taught school for about eight years. And so when Avery brings me these papers with this handwriting all over the page, I'm like, I cannot read. Your teacher cannot read what you are writing. Your poor teacher. She is not going to know what you are trying to say. And I like erase the entire thing and write it all over again. Right. And, and poor little Avery, she's sitting there trying to please me. And she's like taking her time with her letters now to write them perfectly. And I'm tapping my feet and I'm like, okay, not too big, not too small. Just write it, write the letter, write the letter, write the letter, right? Let's get these basics down. I am not very patient with teaching the basics to Avery. But the good news is, is that even though I need to work on my patience, God is very patient with us. He's very patient with you and with me needing to learn the basics. And this, this book that we're going to read, actually, I have a verse about that. Second Peter three, nine says this, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Listen, God is patient with you and with me. He is patient with us as we are learning the basics. He's so patient. And I'm so grateful that God is not anything like me. He is so patient with us. As we dive into the book of Colossians, this book was written to the Colossian church. It was written by a man named Paul and the apostle Paul had never been to the Colossian church. He had never been to this place. Most of the letters he wrote were to churches that he had helped establish or to places where he had been. He had never been to visit this church. And I think the thing that's great to know is that this is what Christianity is all about. Because when Paul writes this letter, he writes this letter full of love and compassion. And he wants to speak life into this church that he's never been to. He doesn't know any of the people, but yet he's filled with love for these people he hasn't met. And that's really what the Christian life is all about, right? Being filled with the love of God for the people that we haven't even met yet. And so Paul writes this letter to the Colossian church, and he's writing to them to teach them the basics. He just wants them to get the basics. He had heard that there was some doctrinal issues that were happening in this church. And we don't really know exactly what those doctrinal issues were. We know that it was probably a mixture of some of the mystical and legalistic Judaism and some of the Gnosticism, I think I'm saying that right, of the day, which was really this uh, religion that emphasized this need for a mass amount of knowledge to reach salvation. 
And so the church in that season was picking and choosing from these different religions of what they were going to believe. And they were bleeding it into Christianity. And Paul was saying, no, let's get back to the basics because we don't get to pick and choose when it comes to our faith. And isn't this just like the Christian church today? This church in the first century that Paul's talking to reminds me so much of the church that I know today, because sometimes in the church, it's easier to pick and choose what we like about Christianity and dismiss the parts that we don't like, the parts that make us feel a little bit uncomfortable or the parts that challenge us to do something that we don't really want to do, right? And it's easy to dismiss the things we don't like and to accept the things we like and then to pull from all other religions too. I've heard so many Christians who talk about all these other religions and the ideas from from this one and from that one. Well, I'm going to embrace this idea and that idea. And while they have some resemblance of truth, they're not the truth founded on the word of God, the Bible, which at the movement church, we are a Bible believing church. And we're going to teach from the Bible because we believe the Bible is the word of God. And so Paul's writing to the Colossian church saying, hey, we've got to get back to the basics. We've got to get back to the basics because you don't want to be led astray by all different kinds of doctrine. You can't pick and choose on your faith. You got to embrace the big picture, but the big picture that Paul wants us to grasp is the idea of who Jesus is, of who Jesus is. And so I love this letter that Paul wrote to the church. And really his goal in writing this letter is that we develop a better understanding of who Jesus Jesus is, that we develop a better understanding of who Jesus is because knowing the real Jesus helps us stay away from the counterfeit, no matter how it's packaged. So Paul talks to the church about the basics because he's going, Hey, church, and this applies to you and me. Let's get some knowledge and understanding about the power of God at work in our life. So we're going to pick up in Colossians two verse one through five. And the scripture says this, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and those at Laodicea and for those who have not seen me face to face. So he's saying, I'm concerned for you, church. I am, I'm praying for you. I'm believing for you. I'm concerned for you. And these words can apply for you and me today. And he says, I, I am praying that your hearts may be encouraged, be knit together in love to reach all the riches of the full assurance and understanding of the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. Wow. He's saying, I'm praying that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order in the firmness of your faith in Christ. Listen, Paul's writing to this church because he is so proud of this church, but he doesn't want them to get off track or get off course. So he's saying, let me bring you back to the basics. So church today, movement church, I want to talk to you about how those basics apply to you and to me. Are you ready for that? Okay. So Paul talking to the church, he says, I pray that your heart might be encouraged. 
Turn to your neighbor and say, be encouraged. All the introverts love that, don't you? Be encouraged. Paul's desire for the church is that we as the church are encouraged. And I think the reason is, is because Paul knew that a discouraged Christian is an easy target for the enemy. The prayer is that as the church, our hearts would be encouraged, not discouraged, because we don't want to be a target for the enemy, right? I had this picture in my head as I was reading this, and I don't know how realistic it is, but bear with me in my imagination for a moment. So I just picture a football player, right? And he has caught the football, but man, he doesn't like his team. He doesn't like his coach. He's feeling discouraged because the the other team is up on them by like 35 points, and he catches the football and he's running down the field, but his head is hung low and he's staring at the ground in front of him. And he's just thinking, I don't even want to play for this team anymore. And as he's running and he's looking at the ground, he is an easy target for the defense to take him out, right? Because he's not watching. He's not looking. And so Paul knows that as the church, we need to be encouraged. We need to be encouraged so that we are up and awake to what God is doing. He wants the church to be encouraged. This word, when it was written in the Greek, was written as paracline. And paracline has actually two meanings to it. It means to comfort and to exhort. To comfort and to exhort. So when Paul is writing this message to the church, it's like he is putting his arm around you and saying, I get it. I know it's hard. I know that the thing that you're facing might feel overwhelming. I know what you're walking through isn't fair. I know that you're dealing with discouragement and frustration and, and it's just not right. I know that the circumstances that you're facing feel insurmountable, but you're going to be okay because I'm with you. And then he's also bringing in the exhortation, which is going, you can do it, right? So I'm comforting and I'm saying, you can do it. It's both. And that's what the word is all about. Paracline means I'm going to comfort and I'm going to exhort. Why? Because I want the church to be encouraged to know that no matter what we face, God is for us. And if God is for us, who can be against us, right? That's what the word says. If God is for us, who can be against us? So Paul is writing to the church saying, Hey, I want your hearts encouraged. Why? Because I think Paul knew that the church, which is not a building, right? The church is not a building. It's not this theater with Shamu on the wall. The church is the people, the people who are sitting here. And so as Paul talks to the church, he's saying, I want you to be encouraged. I want your heart to be encouraged. Why? Because you are fit for heroic action. The church is the solution for the world. The church is the vessel which God intended to bring the message of the gospel to everyone that we meet. The church has such huge purpose to bring the message of hope, to bring the message of joy to a really hurting and broken world. So Paul says, be encouraged. Why? Because he wants you and me in the midst of whatever we're facing, whatever kind of discouraging situation, he wants us to be able to throw our shoulders back and face it with confidence confidence, knowing that God is on our side, that he is for us, that he's got good plans for us and that we will be victorious during this battle, whatever it is that we're facing, be encouraged, right? The next message that he has for the church is that I want your hearts knit together in love and in unity. 
in the message version of this scripture, it actually refers to it as a tapestry. A tapestry is all these different pieces of, of thread woven together to create this beautiful image, right? And so the desire here for the church is that we be woven together in love and in unity. Listen, the church is not a place for drama. The church is not a place for offense and bitterness. The church is not a place for politics and personal agendas. And maybe that's the kind of church you've experienced before, but welcome to the movement church because we don't do that here. Okay. We don't do drama. We don't do politics. We don't do personal agendas. Why? Because we know that God wants us knit together in love and in unity so we can advance the cause of Christ here in this region where he has placed us. So there is not going to be room here for offense and bitterness and disunity. Why? Because I think God can do something amazing with a unified church, right? God can do something amazing with a church that says we are in this together. And if you have walked in the room and maybe you're carrying a hurt or an offense and that offense is developing into bitterness, it's time to deal with the bitter heart because God's desire for you, the church, is that your heart be knit together in love and in unity. Matthew 18 tells us if I'm offended, I've got to go to the person who's offended me and I need to talk with them. It doesn't say I need to talk to my neighbor about them. It says, go to the person who's offended me and talk to them. And if that doesn't work, go and get a leader to go with you, right? That's how we do things here at the movement church, because there's not room for hurt and offense and bitterness and personal agendas and drama. We don't got time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that, right? Are you awake this morning, right? At the movement church, we're committed to being a church that is knit together in love and in unity. And what does that love look like? I don't know about you, but just understanding God, what does that look like for me? If that's your desire for me as a part of the church, what does love look like? And I've got an answer for you. It's found in first Corinthians chapter 13, verse four through seven. And it says this love is patient. We can stop right there because I need to work on that one. Obviously from the story I told earlier, love is patient. I've got a lot of work to do in patience. Love is kind. That means kind with the words that come out of my mouth, kind with my facial expressions and the way that I look at people. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love doesn't compare. Love is not jealous. Love is not looking what everybody else has, looking at what everybody else has and saying, what about me? No, love does not envy. Love doesn't boast. It doesn't talk about how great I am. It's not arrogant. Love is not rude. Love does not insist on its own way. That's a hard one. Love does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable. That's another hard one. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but it rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. This is love. It's the picture that God's given us. And every single one of us can probably work on love in some area of our life, right? But Paul wants the church to be encouraged. Paul wants us as the church to be full of love and unity. And the third thing he says is to be fully assured, fully assured. In fact, it says that 
that I want you knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. He refers to this full assurance as the riches of God's mystery. We sung a song earlier that said, I'm running to your arms. And it talks about the riches of your love. Hey, listen, God loves you right where you are today. That's a gift for you and me. It's a gift that we don't deserve. It's a gift that we can't earn. You can't do enough good works and get your life enough together to earn God's love. God's love is a free gift for you and for me. And, and as Paul writes to the church, this is a message for us as well. We need a full assurance of who Jesus is. And the full assurance of who Jesus is, is this understanding that he is a good father that he loves you, that he chose you, that he has great plans for your life. It's not by accident that you're here today, but God has a plan for you. And he's wanting, he's, he's just tugging at the strings of your heart going, would you open your heart to me? I've got great things in store for you. And this message to the church is just saying, Hey, Could we as the church develop a full assurance, a confidence of who Jesus is, that I don't have to do anything to earn his love or approval, but he loves me for free. Thank God for that because I can't do enough good things to earn that kind of approval. I don't know about you, but I'm so grateful that I don't have to perform for God. I'm so grateful for that. I think that God wants us to have a full assurance of who he is and of what he wants to do in our life. That is the desire for the church. Hey, listen, no matter your story, no matter your past, you are loved. You are loved. Colossians 2, 6 through 7 says, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, walk in him rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught abounding in thanksgiving. Hey, listen, this is saying, be rooted in who Jesus is, walk in him and be built up in him. It's kind of a contradiction of metaphors, but the point is be established and keep growing. Be established and keep growing. This scripture is telling us as the church, it's important that we let our roots run deep in a knowledge and understanding of who Jesus is. Why? Because that is how, that is the firm foundation of our faith. When we are rooted with an understanding of who Jesus is, it is a firm foundation for you and me. And to be rooted, how do do we get that? Well, we get that by spending time with the Lord. By reading his word. When I got to know my husband before we got married, I had to spend time with him, right? I had to get to know his character. I had to understand the things he likes and the things he doesn't like. I had to begin to understand who he was. And we need to do the same thing with Jesus. And we find those answers in the word of God. So we need to make that a part of our life and not just a ritual that we walk through on a Sunday morning. It needs to be something where the roots run deep and we have something to build on of. And then it says to walk with him. Last week when Pastor Jeremy preached his message, he told a story about his son, Trey. And one day Jeremy went to the school and a teacher approached him. Jeremy didn't know the teacher. And the teacher said, is Trey Parham your son? And Jeremy was like, oh, this is a little creepy. But the bottom line was, she said, he walks just like you. He walks just like you. 
When we spend time with God, when we spend time getting to know who Jesus is personally, we begin to reflect him in everything that we do. Did you know you will become like the five people you spend the most time with? Company matters. Let's keep company with Jesus, right? Let's keep company with Jesus. Let's walk with him and begin to learn what he loves, what he doesn't love, and let our lives become a reflection of that. And then it says, and and keep on growing, right? So be established, but keep growing. None of us have arrived. The biggest room in the world is the room for improvement, right? None of us have arrived yet. It does not matter if you have been a Christian in this room for 30 years or three days. It doesn't matter if you're in this room and you have never said yes to Jesus. Every single one of us has room for growth. Every single one of us can keep growing somewhere. Just like I said, I need to grow in patience. I need to grow in love so that I'm not easily irritable, so that I don't always have to have my way, right? I need to grow in that. And so as a Christian, as the church, let's be committed to being rooted in who Jesus is, to walking with him so that we, uh, so that we look like him right? So that we act like him. So we begin to know what he likes and what he doesn't likes and we likes, and we line our lives up with it, right? Let's do this. Are you awake today? Hey, movement church, guess what? You don't have to come to church and sit in a stoic auditorium. That's a little bit too dark for you to see and not say anything. When you hear something that you agree with, you can go, yeah, I need that. Or yes, that's good. We like to talk back in this room because we're not just all about tradition and walking into a church and sitting still and listening to the word and walking out those doors and not doing anything different. So talk back to me this morning. Let me know you're there because I certainly can't see you. It is way too dark. Okay. All right. So let's move forward. It says, so be rooted in him and established in him. But then it says, these are the things that Paul tells the church. I don't want to see this in the church. I don't want to see this in the church. Colossians two verse eight says, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of this world and not according to Christ. So Paul's saying, Hey, here's a warning here. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of this world and not according to Christ. He wasn't saying, church, you are deceived. He was saying, be careful, be careful, be cautious. He's, he's helping us to know that there are some things that are going to look like truth, but they're not going to be truth. And we have to be able to decipher the difference. You know, I have this purse. I love purses. And I have this purse, this Michael Kors purse, and uh, you can't really see it. It's got the MK on it and, you know, good purse. And this purse retails for probably somewhere between $250 to $350, and, and I love it. And Pastor Kerry bought me this purse, and we paid $40 for it. I love a good sale. We paid $40 for it in the back alley of L.A. It was awesome. I love this purse. It looks like the real thing. In fact, I've gotten stopped before and just comments about how beautiful the purse is. But the problem with this purse is that it's actually not as functional as it looks. 
inside the lining is cheap and it has developed little holes in it that like to eat my keys and my iPhone. And so when I put my keys and my iPhone in my purse and I reach in to find them, they are trapped somewhere between the lining and the outside of the purse. And I have to dig my fingers between a hole this big that somehow eats an iPhone 6 Plus and I have to dig my fingers in to try to get it out because it's not well made. So when it comes to functionality, it may look like the real deal, but it is not the real deal. And we have to be careful with our faith that we're not accepting illusions of truth and building a foundation on that. Because there will come a day where your faith will be tested and circumstances will come at you hardcore and you have to have something that you can count on. You've got to have a faith that you can count on that's dependable. And so Paul's saying, don't be easily deceived. Don't be easily deceived. Know Jesus. Don't be led astray by things that look like truth, but they're not actually truth. And how do we know that? Well, we've got to know the word of God that will help us decipher between the truth. And then he says also, uh, according to human tradition, you know, I don't know about you, but there's tradition can be so amazing but tradition can be so frustrating as well, right? Tradition, tradition can be so great, but when you have to do something the same way because it's the same thing you've always done, some of you have family traditions that you're wishing you could kill. I know it right now. Tradition can be frustrating. And here's the thing. The tradition of man holds no weight to the authority of God. The tradition of man holds no weight to the authority of God. Hey, listen, there's a story about a young girl and uh, she had just gotten married. And so she's cooking dinner for her new husband and her family's coming over. And she goes to make a pot roast and she takes the roast and she cuts off the end of the pot roast and puts it in the crock pot. And her husband says, why are you doing that? You're like wasting part of the meat. And she goes, I don't know. My mom always did that. And so then her mom comes over for dinner and they sit down to have a meal. And she says, mom, why did you cut off the end of the pot roast? Why do we cut off the pot roast? And the mom goes, I don't know. Grandma always did that. And so the girl goes, we'll call grandma. So they pick up the phone and they call grandma and they go, grandma, why do we cut off the end of the pot roast? And grandma starts laughing and she says, my crock pot wasn't big enough to hold the whole pot roast. But yet tradition had crept in and they'd just been doing things the same way because it's the same thing that had always been done. And what Paul's saying to the church is, hey, listen, it's not about tradition. It's not about trying to do things the same way because that's how we've always done it. No, it is about Jesus. It is about Jesus. And whatever the method, whatever the way that we can teach Jesus, let's do it. So whatever your experience with church might have been in the past, whatever traditions you might be used to walking through, what Paul's saying is, hey, church, have an open heart. It's not about fitting into the traditions of man. It's not about trying to look a certain way. It's about where is your heart? What's the expression of our heart? It's not about traditions. It's not about accessorizing our life with Christianity. You know, so many people walk through the doors of the church once every three to four weeks and clock in and clock out on the church card. Like, God, I've done you a favor for showing up. And it's this outward expression of Christianity. But God doesn't care about our outward expression. What, what Paul's saying to the Colossian church is, I don't care about your rituals. He's not saying don't go to church. My goodness, the Bible says don't neglect to gather and those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish. So Paul's not saying don't, don't care about the traditions, don't go to church. No, he's saying go, 
Be there. Be committed. Why? Not so that you look good. Not so that you check the church card and all of, everybody sees you as this good little Christian. No, go because you want to experience Jesus. Show up at church on a Sunday because you know that you need that time of worship where you fix your eyes on who God is because everything else in our world can be going crazy, but God stays the same. He has a firm foundation. We need him. We need him in our life. And Paul's saying to the church, hey, don't get distracted. Don't be deceived. Don't buy into false truths about Christianity. Hey, listen, we live in a region who loves to talk a big talk. We live in a region who, who people, we love to hear head knowledge. We love to hear all of this stuff about God, as long as you don't ask me to apply anything or change it in my life. But I'm committed that here at the movement church, that we're going to be Christ's followers who not only are going to hear the word, but we're going to apply the word and we're going to let God transform our lives from the inside out. And we're going to go out and make a difference in our region because that's what God's called us to do because the church is the solution and you are a part of the church. So be encouraged. Let your hearts be knit together in love and in unity. Have full assurance that you can't do enough. You can't measure up. You can't get your act together well enough. God just loves you. You don't have to do anything to please him. He just loves you. Now, don't get me wrong. God loves us for free. His promises are attached to our obedience. So we don't just get a hall pass of, oh, God loves me. I get to do whatever I want. No, that's picking and choosing religions. That's what the problem was with the church back in those days. It's called relativism, where if it feels right to me, then it must be right. If it doesn't feel right, it must be wrong. That is deceit. That is an illusion. It looks like something real. Ah, looks like something real, but it's not real. No, the Bible says that God loves us for free. You don't have to do anything to earn Jesus love and approval, but his promises are attached to our obedience. So let's be rooted in him. Let's be established in him. Let's walk with him and let him transform our lives so that we look more like him. And as we begin to do that as the church, you know what? It's going to get people's attention because it's not going to be a false reality of religion. It's not going to be us going through the motions of church. No, it's going to be a church who sees the power of God at work in our life because we know who Jesus is. We don't clock the church card, but we let Jesus transform our lives. And that's what Paul is saying to the Colossian church. Be encouraged. Let your heart be knit together in love and in unity. Have full assurance that God loves you just as you are. We're all working on getting better. Be rooted and established in him. Don't be deceived. Don't be led astray by false understanding of who God is. Don't be caught up in tradition. Don't be trying to accessorize your life with Christianity. Actually be a Christian. I'm going to leave you with this scripture in Colossians 2, 6 through 7 in the message version. And it says this, my counsel for you is simple and straightforward. Just go ahead with what you've been given. You received Christ Jesus, the master. Now live in him. You're deeply rooted in him. You're well constructed upon him. You know your way around the faith. Now do what you've been taught. School's out. Quit studying the subject, start living it, and let your living spill over into thanksgiving as we as the church begin to live what we've learned. 
it will become a light so bright that this region doesn't know what to do with it. And people will say, how? How do you experience joy in the midst of your pain? How are you walking through that circumstance in your life and you're still moving forward? People are going to begin to take notice. And then you know what? We're going to be able to point them to Jesus because that's the basics. Jesus, he loves you. He loves me. He loves them. And he's got great plans for us. You know, maybe if you're here today and you've been struggling with your faith, maybe you've been questioning what you believe in this whole idea of God and God loving you is it's almost even hard to receive because you don't feel like you deserve it. In fact, maybe coming to church has been a challenge because you just have felt like you need to get your act together before you go to church. It's not the truth. The basic is God loves you right where you are today. He chose you. He's pursuing you. He's just waiting for you to pursue him. He's right there waiting for you. God loves you. He chose you. He has a plan for your life. And if you're in this room today and you've never made a decision to surrender your life to Christ, I can't leave this service today without giving you that opportunity because I'm telling you, it changes everything. And maybe you're here today and you've been running from God. Maybe you had a poor experience with the church in the past and you've just said, I don't want anything to do with that anymore. And I'm sorry. People can be crazy, but God's not crazy. People, people can hurt you, but God won't hurt you. People will let you down, but God won't let you down. God's got great plans for you. And it's time to start running back towards him. So I'm going to ask everyone in this room to bow your head and close your eyes. And I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm not going to ask you to pray it out loud. I'm not going to ask you to get out of your seat. But I am going to ask you, if you are here today and you have never surrendered your life to Jesus, would you pray this prayer with me today? The Bible says that he stands at the door and knocks and that anyone who would hear his voice and open the door, he will come in. No matter your past, no matter your story, you are loved. God sent his son Jesus to give his life on a cross to pay the price for our sins, to give us the ultimate gift of life and eternity with him. And if you're in this room and you've been running from God or you've never made a decision to surrender your life to him, would you pray this prayer with me in your own heart right now? So, dear Jesus, I know that I've sinned. I know that I've made mistakes and that I've fallen short. And I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Thank you, God, for sending Jesus to die on the cross and pay the price for me that I don't deserve. Today, I acknowledge you as God. And all around this room, if that's you today, would you just say these words in your own heart, in your own mind? Jesus, I give you my life. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Please email us at info at theocmovement.com. And if you were not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Please send us an email at info at theocmovement.com. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church.